And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Shamrock, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Pete Sampson, joined in person by Matt Fortuna. He was on Drumbeat today, uh, following... Notre Dame's 27-13 win over Purdue. And, I mean, Matt, we were walking back up to the press box. To me, I mean, there was definitely some takeaways that I think are going to be packaged and Notre Dame can take moving forward. But to me, it it felt like the last game of the preseason for Notre Dame. Because I do think, like, now the real stuff starts. Yes. I mean, if this was a normal Notre Dame season, I would agree with you. The fact that they took care of business in this game the way they probably would have and should have based on our preconceived notions of this team preseason. I can get behind that. But even then, I mean, Purdue gets the ball down seven after Notre Dame drops a touchdown, gets sacked after starting with the ball at Purdue's 39-yard line with the chance for the knockout blow. And I, I don't know if Purdue just wasn't good enough. They obviously weren't. But how much of that was Notre Dame? I do think big picture takeaway Purdue took away Notre Dame's two best weapons, and Notre Dame still won by 14 points after winning their first two games by three points apiece. So, like, you have to come out of this feeling better about yourself if you're Notre Dame. You have to feel better about yourself. Um, Otherwise, there's going to be no way to get through this upcoming gauntlet of five games against five-ranked opponents. It's going to be – or once-ranked opponents. (laughs) Sorry, with apologies to USC. Um, Brian (laughs) Kelly also apologized to USC after the game. (laughs) So, look, I mean – Purdue just didn't, I mean, credit to Notre Dame's defense. Like, yes. This was much like parts of the first two games where, oh, Notre Dame's defense is really in control, and then they give up a, a big play and undo it all. They never gave up that big play today. Um, they just completely dominated the game defensively. Purdue never really looked like they had a shot offensively. I know they were missing their starting running back, Xander Horvath, but they ended up pulling Jack Plummer, the starting quarterback, uh, early in the fourth quarter for Aiden O'Connell, who didn't do a whole lot better. Um it was a good performance from Notre Dame. I would cap it at that. It, it was not complete, but it was completer than <laughs> I think what we've seen the first couple of weeks. Def- like defensively, I feel like what Notre Dame did today, working six defensive backs in third and long situations, they were much better in those scenarios where Purdue went four of 16 on third down. Frankly, I'm surprised they were that good because it, ju- it mm-hmm. just felt like they – couldn't find what was open on third down uh, when Notre Dame put six DBs in the game at once. That's not something we've seen in the first two games. Offensively, you know, on the one hand, you'd be like, you know, Michael Mayer is not going to have many games with one catch for five yards, uh, nor is Kevin Austin going to be completely shut out. Some of that by Austin's own doing, to be fair. Um, you know, Braden Lindsay is not going to drop a sure thing bomb touchdown. Cone miss Austin. I believe it was Austin on a sure thing touchdown. Or maybe it was maybe it was it, Avery. I think it was Austin. Oh yeah. I think. Yeah, and then he hits Avery Davis with a, a, a beautiful throw. Like I would think Notre Dame would convert more of that moving forward. But I guess if, 
If you had to ask me what from today can Notre Dame most take moving forward, I would say it's it would be defense, not offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I asked Chef Brown about this post game. Like, what was it different than what you saw on film the first two games? And he said, "Well, our run game was never a threat to begin with, so they barely even bothered with it. They just were not going to let us beat them over the top." a.k.a. not give up the big play, and they did that today, and that was what they needed to do um, in order to assert themselves. And, you know, really from the time it, – it, it didn't feel like a game their name was winning pretty much the whole game after Purdue went up 3 nothing. but, like, that's ultimately what it was. Um, and the final score probably is appropriate when you look at the way – Notre Dame dominated at least on one side of the ball in the line of scrimmage. Um, but, you, you know, we're looking at the stat sheet right now. Purdue had more total yards than Notre Dame, which is a little bit surprising as well. Um, I thought of the first half that offense, Notre Dame's offense, was just way too stale. Um, I don't know how many plays they ended up running in Purdue territory. It was not a lot. Um, when they did get there, they had the, the fourth and short uh, touchdown pass. Beautiful throw to Kyron, Kyron Williams for the touchdown. Uh, but I also look at a game like this, and I think you know, Notre Dame is better players than Purdue, and that was the difference today. I mean, Kyle Hamilton had a you know, obviously the interception at the end, but the fourth and one play was just an incredible read and stop behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And Kyron Williams' touchdown, which clinched the game, uh, that should have been a minimal game. Um, that was all Kyron Williams. Like, the offensive line issues that existed the last two weeks, I think, still exist um, every bit. So going into Wisconsin next week, and that's something that I don't know how you clean that up because it hasn't really looked cleaned up so far um, this week. They rotate a little bit more. They're obviously down to their third left, third string left tackle. But you're on your home field and you have four false start penalties, three of which are committed by the offensive okay. line. That just can't happen. Yeah, I, the the talent disparity was obvious. Like Notre Dame took away David Bell and like Jackson Anthrop had seven catches for 90 yards, but I'm not sure that really ever sure. felt like a threat. Whereas Purdue takes away Mayer. Well, Lindsey pops up, Davis pops up, Tyree and Kyron Williams in the passing game pop up. You know, it's like, and even defensively, Notre Dame did a good job on George Karloftis for the most part. Um, they also put a lot of resources into blocking him, which I think stunted some of the things they wanted to do offensively. But like, Notre Dame was able to counter Karloftis. Purdue had no answer for what Kyle Hamilton was. I mean, that was. I mean, he could have had a pick six at the very beginning of the game, yeah. had a pick later, had the fourth on stop. I mean, it was after I, I think kind of a, you know, he was great against Florida State, a little bit off brand against Toledo, um, back to the All American first round pick self today. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would throw Isaiah Foskey, Myron Tungavella, Mosa, and the rest of the defensive line in there as well. I mean, they just made a living in Purdue's backfield. Um, made life miserable for Jack Plummer. We were looking at the statue, it did not seem to tell the story of just how dominant uh, Notre Dame was up front. Um, they just were not going to give Purdue an inch. Up front, it was just a really impressive performance by Notre Dame defensively. Um, I just thought they made life really difficult for Jack Plummer. He ended up getting yanked, and they they kept the ball in front of them. Um, they trusted the guys up front to to do what they do best against an offensive line that was overmatched, and they put extra people back there in pass coverage. And, and from the beginning, too, it wasn't just – and the game stuff when they were trying to protect the lead. I mean, that first drive, they came out with five or six defensive backs on a couple plays, and um, it was different. It was, you know, you had a stat coming into this week, and, you know, this is a bit of a, you know, other than that, how was a play in Mrs. Lincoln's stat? But it was like they were giving up, what, 3.8 yards per play through two games outside of those 60-yard yep. um, plays. Now, right. that's a big if. Um, and that's, Huge one. That's not something you can just dismiss, but – I definitely think the defense 
took steps in the right direction today, and you could say it was only Purdue and the schedule gets harder from here, but I think with this group, with what they've been through through two weeks on both sides of the ball, you need a game where you can exhale a little bit in the final minutes. You can win by more than one possession and at least have that scoreboard validation of, hey, we're good enough. We can be pretty darn good if we continue to get better throughout the course of the season. This was like today was an example of why I thought the defense could get fixed and the offensive line is going to need more and more time. Like the ability to tackle better in space is not it's not a hard concept. And Notre Dame has enough talented players to do it. Um, they didn't need to turn those 60 yard plays into three yard plays. They need to turn them into 30 yard plays. And they did that. Um, you know, in the first half, Purdue's longest game was 11 yards. Second half, they came out, had some success, had a 31-yard run, a 32-yard completion to Bell. Um, you know, that, but that was kind of it. Like, but that's the difference between, like, giving up a 60-yard home run shot touchdown play and then, like, making the other team work for it over and over again. Like, you're not really making the opponent work for it when you're giving up the 65-yard play or the, was that an 89-yard touchdown by Jay Sean yeah. Corbin? Um that's not making anyone work for anything. Um, Notre Dame's defense did a much better job making them make Purdue work for it. And like, if you can replicate that against Virginia Tech, against Wisconsin, against USC, against Cincinnati, against North Carolina, like you're gonna you're going to probably be very happy with how you come out of that five game stretch. Absolutely, that's the only way to play against the Carolinas and USC's of the world with the way they can be so lethal. With their downfield passing attack, and I, you know, I think those big plays—we're still waiting for those big plays to go in Notre Dame's favor. And by that, I mean if Kevin Austin hauls in what looked like a catch before he got essentially benched um, in the third quarter, and if Braden Lindsay, on a perfect throw, just doesn't mm-hmm. drop one right on the end zone, end zone for the kill shot. I don't think this game is particularly close, and it ended up not being all that close. But there were so many times over the first course of the first two games where you thought, I don't know, I thought they were closer to the kill shot today than they were the last two games. I know that sounds kind of ironic because I'm talking about how they didn't exactly get it till the end, but um, I just felt like they played a cleaner game on both sides of the ball. And if they can haul in some of those deep passes and continue to not give up the big play defensively, they're going to be a much better spot going forward. But, you know, I was talking to a couple people around the program, you know, throughout this week and really this morning of the game and – there definitely was a sense of like, all right, we saw what we're made of the last two weeks. Every week's going to be like, let's just just win, baby. Like, yeah. a win is a win is a win. Um, that's not something that I think Notre Dame and its fan base were – that's not a mindset that I think any of us were accustomed to over the last four years because, um, you know, there's a, a team that could run out the clock when it needed to run out the clock, could get third and fourth and short when they needed to do it. And every single game is going to be a season within itself, I think, based on the three games we've seen so far this season. Now, they won, they covered, um, they took care of business down the stretch today, but this is still far from a finished product, I think. Brian Kelly, who just mentioned, over 11 minutes in, tied the wins record, Newt Rockney today, and who got a shout-out from the PA as the horn sounded. And I don't know if there was any noticeable applause other than the, the white noise that suffocates this building when they win to begin with. Um, but I, I think he knows and, and everyone on that team knows like like this is there's no coming up for air this season at no. least based on what we've seen so far it's it's every single week's going to be uh, its own little adventure and you know we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, it was, it was not a moment to, like, take stock and pause and think about all you've accomplished um, when you have Wisconsin coming up and, like, that the beginning of that five-game stretch. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Kelly was asked about it after the game, and we were talking before we recorded. I couldn't remember what he said. Um, but then you jogged my memory, and he actually mentioned how, like, there's alignment from, you know, Father John to Jack Swarbrick to himself. It feels like the university is pulling in one direction here and then made a reference to, like, arrival on the west coast i.e. usc where there's no alignment whatsoever um there's alignment now (laughs) yeah where it just sort of takes it takes more than just like your head coach doing a good job to have that kind of longevity and you know this you know what this game felt like a lot this game would have fit in nicely with like the ian book era of notre dame football where for the way it played out the way way, the way it played out you know which was which how did those play out? Kelly winning, right? Um, no, but I thought like a unra- milestone win. Home game, unranked team, some game pressure, but in the final minutes, it's not in doubt. Um, it felt like a little bit more of a Duke and Syracuse last professional-ish year. performance uh, from Notre Dame than we've seen the first couple weeks where, you know, just like, what the hell is happening? Florida State's terrible. You're about to lose in overtime. This is, wait a minute, you're playing Toledo, which is still losing to Colorado State as we record. Uh, they lost 22-6 to to, not to be the very bad news, Notre Dame fans, thus 22-6 to at home to Colorado State, who lost last week to Vanderbilt, who, as Pete can tell you, lost no. in week one <laughs> to East Tennessee, Tennessee by 20 points. So, um, who knows what to make. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it's, but I think that, College football this year, it's sort of Alabama and everybody else. And they Notre- almost lost yeah. today, too. <laughs> but it's like Notre Dame doesn't play Alabama. So all they can do is knock off a Wisconsin team that has some issues offensively. Um, Virginia Tech, which lost at West Virginia today. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, which was which struggled quite a bit at Indiana. USC is a hot mess of a dumpster file of a train wreck. Like... You know, and then North Carolina has been, I think, one of the more underwhelming teams in the country so far. So it's like, look, Notre Dame has its issues, as does everybody else um, on the slate. But I think today, at least, Notre Dame should feel better about itself. And I think the players maybe were more honest about that post game than you know I would have thought, or certainly honest enough to recognize it. It's just like last week just didn't feel good uh, for anybody. Um, you know, and there's something to Brian Kelly's comment during the week, which is true, that, look, they get back at 4 a.m. on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. It's a le- one less day of prep. Not super sharp. Still doing the new trans- – he uses the word transition a lot um, now. <laughs> it's for, sort of replaced transformational. Uh, that, like, you know, new system, new scheme, understanding all that stuff. Like, there's, there's stuff to all that. Um, 
but I think today it felt like there was some work to go with or some progress to go with the work. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And, you know, going back to your point of feeling good about yourself and speaking from a personal standpoint, because I haven't seen a game in the stadium in two years now and there weren't any fans here last year, weren't a full stadium last year. Just felt, I mean, full stadium for the most part today. It wasn't officially a sellout, but it was darn close to it. Um, just walking around campus, seeing the tailgate lots um, full and, and seeing – Feeling a full crowd, I mean, I, I I heard a roar that I had not heard in a while when they downed that punt at the one-yard line um, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, like that was, and we were, I'm assuming we were above the visiting section because it got pretty loud every time Purdue did something good, but it was a fun college football environment. And selfishly and personally speaking, it, I hadn't experienced that here in two years. And uh, one of those, you never know what it got till it's gone. Yeah. Uh, Really, really missed it. It was a beautiful day. It was, it was kind of perfect all around, and the home team goes home victorious. So it was fun um, in that regard. But, you know, spinning it forward, I mean, I think we both said if we, you know, in our preseason prediction um, podcast, you know, if they get through Wisconsin, uh, look out. Like, yeah. maybe we're shortchanging by saying they're not a playoff contender this year because it's hard to see them lose after that. Um, yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> – they could be eleven and zero, and who's uh, Stanford? I guess would be the last game this year. They could be eleven and zero at this point with the way they're playing. And I'm still going to that Stanford game, thinking like, could be. Uh, we'll see. Stanford already got the OC's coach fired. It would feel a, it would feel like a very 2012 uh, undefeated regular season where you're just like, wow, God, they're just escaping week after week after week. It did, but even then, they developed an identity defensively. Like they were yeah. a damn good football team. Yes. I think they had eight guys get drafted off that defense when all was said and got done. And like they're gonna have a lot of draft picks, but I'll send on this defense as well. But um, every game has been its own little adventure uh, this season. Now there were some of that in 2012, and there's definitely an air of unpredictability. To were all you here of for it. the Pittsburgh game? I was here. Okay. Were you, you, uh, we in Pittsburgh for the Pittsburgh game today? They lost at home to Western Michigan. And oh. Tim Lester said, "I prepared for Pat Narduzzi the way I prepared for him when I was at Syracuse in 2015." So nothing. Narduzzi is nothing if not predictable. Um, I do, but I agree with you that sort of every game this season, I think what was lost in the first couple games is the confidence that Notre Dame is always going to find yeah. a way to win in those games. Today was a step back towards getting that back. But I would say that the rest of the season is probably going to fall somewhere between Purdue today and Toledo last week. They're going to have some games where they're losing in the fourth quarter. Not where the other team has the chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter, like where Notre Dame is is down. Um, so that maybe today is a good test for, all right, again, Mayer's being taken away. Austin's not playing well. Avery Davis comes up five catches, buck 20, um, and a huge touchdown. I do think, like, the identity of – I asked Kyron Williams this after the game. Like, I think we always think of throwing to the running backs as, like, this cop out, you know, it's it, it's either a cop out because Brian Kelly describes it as an extension of the running game, which drives people nuts because you're like the running game should be an extension of the running game, but we sort of see that as a side to something a little bit more, uh, you know, more of a main course. And then you look at we're like maybe that's not how we should look at Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree anymore because like I think you would. Look, I mean, we're looking at the box score right in front of us as we record. There's not a lot that jumps off the page to you. But then when you add it all up, they mm-hmm. finished with 197 yards total offense between them, rushing and re- or not total offense, all-purpose yardage, uh, rushing and receiving. Like that's a big number uh, for for two players to split, 
neat, you know, there's a 51 yard run in there, obviously, but like it wasn't on 38 touches. Um, they did that work in limited opportunity. I, I do think that's something that Nareem can like package and take forward the rest of the year. Absolutely. I mean, based on what we thought we knew about both teams coming in, if you told me beforehand Michael Mayer and Kevin Osser could combine for one catch for five yards, I'd say buckle up. This is going to get ugly. Yeah. And it didn't. Um, they found another way to win. They have other good players on the roster they can use in different ways, and Purdue doesn't, and that was ultimately the difference today. I mean, I think Purdue was a little over-advertised coming in. I know they haven't played the, the sharpest competition in the world, but this was advertised as the best offense Notre Dame will have faced, and not – I mean, no, no. Not at all. Um, Toledo had a few big plays. Like, Florida State at least has players. I know they – can't do everything right all the time, which is why they're 0-3 right now. But, like, Florida State was able to run pretty much at will in the second half on Notre Dame. Purdue it was never even really a threat. Well, I mean, um, do we think, like, it's impossible to say, but, like, if Notre Dame played Purdue in week one, would Purdue have looked better? I think probably yes. Like, if Notre Dame... Do they have Xander Horvath? Sure. But let's say Notre Dame opened with Purdue but played Florida State today. I think Notre Dame would have kicked the crap out of Florida State yeah, today. Yeah, oh, I absolutely agree. But I think that Notre Dame really would have struggled with Purdue, and, like, I could see that game going... Going sideways the way Notre Dame had opened the year defensively. It's certainly possible. Uh, I mean, week one's just different for everybody too, yeah. depending uh, you know with environments and energy. Um, I definitely think there's something to be said for that, especially on the Florida State part. But you know, I, Wisconsin's still a bit of a wild card too. I mean, how you know, they look absolutely anemic offensively in their opener against Penn State. Who they play week two? I mean, they beat a, I think a MAC opponent yeah. pretty handily at home, and then they have a bye this week, but. Um, Obviously, there's the the story within the game of Jack Cohn against Graham Mertz, and that's going to be drummed up incessantly, especially since this is a big noon kickoff nationally televised game. Our friend Brady Quinn will be in the house for uh, the on-site pregame show for that. But Wisconsin had a 34-7 win over Eastern Michigan. Okay, yeah, curious. so not a whole lot to take away from that. Um, Although, in fact, like reading, if you're not following Jesse Temple – Plug for our Wisconsin beat writer who will and be on the show probable next week. guest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probable guest. But, I mean, he had a sort of interesting takeaway from that game because, you know, you're just sort of glossing over the, the box score on that. It was a very old-school Wisconsin performance. Like, there was nothing progressive about it. Mertz finished 14-17 for, you know, 141 yards. They didn't really even try to throw it. Um, so, I don't know. It, you know, Wisconsin might be trying to get back to who they were. They rushed for 352. Um and if you told me Wisconsin can't throw it and they're going to have to lean on their run, I would like Notre Dame's chances quite a bit in that. The, the reason I think I Wisconsin... feel better about it, yeah. yeah. the reason I think Wisconsin is tricky because I assume that Graham Mertz was going to take a big step forward and I don't think that's happening. I don't think it's happened either. And I mean, that was... I mean, at the end of the day, and I had plenty of tweeters in my mention um, after our preseason podcast when I said I probably gonna, I feel more comfortable with Wisconsin right now. I, I venture to guess that but guys who get paid to coach football know more than me and you in the media. <laughs> and the guys who get paid to coach Wisconsin's team decided they wanted Graham Mertz over Jack Cohn. Now, it's it's probably not as simple as that. There are a lot of programmatic elements to that. There's a lot of investment into the highest-ranked quarterback recruit in the history of your program, the modern recruiting era. You don't want to screw that up. I get it. But at the end of the day, like they chose him over Jack Cohn. And 
from limited sample size of the 2021 season, that does not look like it's going to be the best of choices. Now, that could obviously be a narrative that gets flipped on its head if Graham Mertz comes out there next week and looks like he did in his debut against Illinois last year and go 20 of 21. Um, but I not gotten that indication from two games of Wisconsin's offense so far no. this season. And I mean that fits into I think another takeaway from today is I thought that Purdue's passing game was really going to expose Cam Hart and um Clarence Lewis's just just okay corners. And I thought they were both better than that. Like they were neither neither of them were perfect, don't get me wrong. Um but I thought that they against a pass first, pass only offense Although they both did a pretty good job. We'll see what the story is with Cam Hart. Brian Kelly gave his amateur medical opinion. He was limping. That was a hip pointer, maybe? He was limping and laughing. I saw him going up the tunnel. Get okay. his arm on a teammate's shoulder who's limping and laughing. It was like, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but right. I don't think you'd be laughing. That's a positive serious. sign. Because <laughs> um, I, I do, as much as they showed that they had more depth in the secondary I don't think they have any more depth than they, what they showed today. They, no. I think they have six guys who can play. One's a superstar. The other five are like guys plus. Um, so they need they need all of them available because you you know you can't build the entire defense out of Kyle Hamilton. Um, but I, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, he lined up everywhere today, and it was. I just insane. I think it's just worth noting that like. Lewis and Hart were better. Like I, I, I thought they may struggle a little bit today. Um, you know, David Bell had that really nice catch. I think it was on Lewis down down by the north end zone yeah. where there's a pass interference. Like that's just a great player making a great play. Um, but other than that, I thought that they kept stuff in front of them and overall played pretty well. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I thought they played really well, and I, you know, part of it was the predictability of Purdue's offense once it became clear after that first drive they just weren't going to get a whole lot done on the ground game. I mean, they were not – when you look at when they've gotten burned through two games, um, 
gadget plays, misdirection, crossing routes, the stuff that the other coaching staff is doing to, to put them in disadvantageous positions. And I'm not sure Purdue had the personnel to really – maybe they did. I mean, David Bell's a really good receiver, and Jackson Anthrop played well today. But it just never seemed like Purdue – did anything to really scare Notre Dame defensively in the pass game. Um, a lot of dinking and dunking, a lot of short passes. Notre Dame kept it in front of them. Um, I thought all in all it was a very well-rounded performance by that group. Yeah, I mean, and you made the point earlier. It's like Notre Dame's talent advantage was obvious today. Yes. Um, you know, Purdue just didn't have a lot of change-ups when Notre Dame tried to take something away. So it's like if I was – you know, one thing I, I think it's probably good to get into because this was sort of a Twitter complaint – early in the game was like how Reese was calling the game because offensively Notre Dame did not do a lot in the first half like it, it was it was a struggle but Kelly specifically credited him post game for sign, finding some change ups and different levers to pull and I, I would think today would you know it was not a perfect performance by Reese by any stretch of the imagination but I think in terms of the way he called the game you know, get Joe Alt in there a little bit more, like some different run type personnel. Like Kyron William compared Joe Alt's role, who's a freshman offensive tackle, if you're not super familiar with freshman offensive tackles, to like what Tommy Tremble did last year. Um, so if you can find that role, if you find that lever to pull, um, then I would think Reese would feel good about the potential that today would have created for Notre Dame offensively, even if the execution of it was like a little bit off. If the receivers come down with the balls they're supposed to come down with, we're yeah. not having this conversation. And that's like that has nothing to do with Reese, right? right? I mean, that's kind of the why you, you phrase it that way is like it's not on Reese that Lindsey drops the touchdown pass. He's not the offensive line coach either, and yeah. I just uh, that that I, position. I I is that how much better? Like it will get better this year, but like how much better will it get? I don't know. Um, not only how much. Better will it get? I mean, if it's going at the rate it's going so far, it's not going to get a whole lot better. But the thing I worry about is just the strain it puts on everyone else. The strain it puts on Tommy Reese. Like, you're yeah. so limited in what you can do when that group just can't really get it done. Um, and it, it's just so shocking. Like, we knew they would take a step back. And I know they're down to their third string at left tackle. But Who was a top 50 recruit? Just, but, like, still, Notre, I mean, it's, like, let's not cry poor for Notre Dame's personnel. No, but that's my point, though. I yeah. mean, it just... Everything about the identity of this program has gone up in smoke in that regard. Like, it's just amazing to see. Like, they just can't rely on it. Um, and again, thank God for Kyron Williams. Like, he can make some runs, like the game clinching run, where it really doesn't matter who's blocking for him because he's just going to break a tackle and stay in bounds and, and keep that play alive. But uh, I just wonder the stress that eventually puts on uh, on a unit over the course of the season if they don't show significant improvement. Um, I mean, it's... We've seen it at other teams throughout the course, you know, recent college football where, hey, it all, uh, you have a, one of the best defenses in the country and the offense isn't great and the defense just can't do it all. They're eventually going to break. Like, at some point, especially – I think Jack Cohn's played pretty damn good through three games. But when you don't have a mobile quarterback back there and he's getting hit a lot, um, I just you're just so limited in what you're able to dial up. Yeah, it, it definitely takes things off Reese's plate. Like, if you're going to take deep shots, you got to block it first. Um, you know, and there was a pretty strong correlation. Like, did Jack Cohn have a clean pocket? It was probably complete. Did Jack Cohn have a messy pocket? It was probably incomplete. And Cohn took some responsibility for identifying blitzers and, you know, what's coming from where and how. Um, you know, and I think when you see a untouched linebacker come through late or a corner blitz get home, like, 
that stuff is more on the quarterback to identify it. Um, but there were also plenty of times today where the defensive line was just kind of throwing people out of the way. Like, I, Jared Patterson is a really good player. Um, I thought that Kane Madden and Josh Lugg would come along mm-hmm. for that ride a little bit more than they have so far. I and you know for guys who have played so much football, is there is there less room for growth for an older player at this stage of the career than there is for a younger player? I don't I don't have the answer for that. Um, but Brian Kelly seems open to considering a few personnel things. Andrew Kristofik played a little bit today for the first time at guard. Joe Alt, which we mentioned, like Rocco Spindler is just sitting there, um, you know, and he looks physically very well put together. So I don't. I don't know what the the switches or the fixes for the offensive line. Um, I do wonder if like getting more guys to play in there would would be helpful. But I mean, look, after the, Kelly came to that group's defense after the game, as you would imagine, um, thought that they played pretty well today. But you know, we're sitting here three games into the season. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's backs for how much they're a threat in the pass game. They average if you take out Williams' touchdown run, they averaged Williams and Tyree averaged three point one yards per carry. Like. That's not. I'm not sure that's really what Notre Dame, where Notre Dame should be, especially when you factor in how talented the backs actually are. It's not. This isn't like late round pick talent. Like these, they have two guys who could play in the NFL and get drafted, and you know, it's they're they're having a hell of a time getting things on track right now. Yeah, and no, I talked to people inside the Goog this week who were like. Couldn't say enough about the way the running backs have played this year and how hard mm-hmm. they've been playing despite all the obstacles have been thrown in front of them. And we saw probably the best of both of them today. But, I mean, just looking through my game notes, and this is chicken scratch and unofficial, but I counted at least 10 times where Notre Dame lined up in 12 personnel where the two tight ends were actually in the block, and I think they got one first down out of yeah. that. Like that – again, I just worry long-term about the cumulative effect of, like, what more can you do? Right, and it's even like the um... – you know, when you watch Notre Dame lineup and it's third and two or third and one, you're like, is this a throwing down? It kind of is now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and when the, Kevin Austin's playing like this today, that takes that's away a problem, the right? Um, but there's, I think there's a certain amount of like, know thyself with that. Like, Notre Dame is not a good rushing team in short yardage run when you have to run. Uh, Brian Kelly referenced that a little bit after the game today. Like, that's where. That's where I, I feel like Notre Dame can improve. Is this going to be like a great offensive line? No. But I do think they can at least be a efficient offensive line in short yardage situations. Like that's a, a small goal, but I think it's an important one. I, that's where I feel like this group could act. They could check that box before the season ends. You would certainly hope so because um, it's just hard to think of a team that plays the way Notre Dame historically has played and has played so far the season that – is able to have the kind of success that they want to have almost in spite of its own self in that department. And uh, you know, that's, for my money, maybe it's because I'm a skinny guy, the hardest position to scout and actually evaluate, although you know a good one when you see it and you know a bad unit when you see it. And Notre Dame is trending toward the bad, uh, to put it kindly, through three games so far uh, on the offensive line. I just wonder where do we see that in-season improvement. I mean, it's funny because, I mean, trying to think like when does Notre Dame had a bad offensive line and like they weren't great in short like 2019 they were not great um now they were kind of a patchwork tailback group Kyron Williams was not a factor as we all know after that Louisville game um but they were not good in short yardage situations in 2019 and that was the exact same starting five that came back and were absolute ass kickers in 2020 yeah um that was a year-over-year improvement that was not an in-season improvement um again I don't know the finer points of 
how you get from point A to point B in that regard, especially when you're at this point playing so many different players due to both production and injury. Um, I mean, what Lake Fisher will be back to what USC maybe? Yeah, I think it's an optimistic timeline yeah. for him to be back at USC. And even then, that's talk about a guy who'd be playing <clears throat> his second career college game by that point. Yeah. So. It's like, yeah, they're relying on Kevin Austin to be your breakout receiver when he's looked good for two games. games. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, if he gave two out of three, I think that's probably a pretty good hit right there. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Wisconsin earlier, and we'll talk a bunch about Wisconsin during the week on our next podcast with Jesse Temple. But I do maybe I can wrap up on this. Like, I think in the preseason, did we both pick Notre Dame to lose to Wisconsin? Yes. Okay. I think we both attended to. I know I have yeah. Wisconsin. Will you? Pick Notre Dame to lose to Wisconsin now. Ask me that on Jesse's. Okay. I, I need like I time and time. space removed Man. from today. I have, a, I'm a, I have a difficult time seeing myself picking Wisconsin to win now. Really? Yeah. I, just, I, I think that Notre Dame got some stuff figured out. And, and maybe it's just because I watched the majority of the Wisconsin-Penn State game sure. and they're absolutely terrible. Um, but Their defense I, wasn't terrible. No. And I just... I, nor is Sean Clifford good. Um, mm-hmm. But... I just, I don't know. I, I feel like today, if if Notre Dame had given up two more sixty yard plays, I think that's what that's what's making the difference to me mm-hmm. in terms of my perception of Notre Dame actually changing after the Purdue game. I, I'm lying to you if I sit here right now and say like, oh yeah, I feel really good about either one of those teams beating the other right now. I will uh, fully evaluate it when before we re uh, reconvene, probably in three or four days. Uh, I just. Hate making predictions in the heat of the moment because it's just well, that's what we have a second podcast. For. Yeah, like for that, that's I just, our I just hate podcast. making predictions anyway. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I had twenty four seventeen. You had thirty four twenty four. We kind yeah, of met but, halfway there. It already ended up winning by more than both of us predicted. Good for them. Um, but yeah, that's why we're not in Vegas. They did yeah. cover, <laughs> and yeah. it was an under. I think the over under was like fifty eight or fifty nine. Like it was way under. Yes, because I had thirty four twenty four was 58 points and go. I had picked it right on the line unbeknownst to me. So I don't know, like overall, I feel like Notre Dame took a step forward, not a leap forward, not a, you know, a massive change in terms of how I see this season going or the team uh, developing. But I do think that just to wrap up, like the defense did enough for me to like have a, a different opinion about where things are going with Marcus Freeman right now. I agree. Um, and just the team as a whole, I mean, but th- this was a game entering, at least I thought, they, based on what we saw, they very well could have lost this game or, or wouldn't have surprised anyone, I think, if Purdue yeah. came in there and won today. And when you watch the first half, I, I think a lot of the angsty fans of the stands probably felt that way as well. But um, for them to, to pull away and take care of business, for lack of a better term, uh, based on what they did against Toledo and Florida State, there's no way you don't come out of this feeling more positive than you did coming in. I know that was a pretty low bar to clear, but... <laughs> That, that's the reality of the situation right now. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Shamrock postgame per, of the Purdue game. Notre Dame 27-13 winners. He's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. We'll be back next week with our special guest, Jesse Temple, who covers Wisconsin for The Athletic. Uh, give him uh, some good reads this week. I believe he's got a good Jack Cohen story coming up um, sometime midweek. But, yeah, that, that's it from Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame 27, Purdue 13.